everybody in Utah and maybe not Utah. I don't know. I don't get like data saying, you know, on who listens to this thing yet. This is, you know, we're super early in this podcast. I assume it's people in Utah, but you know, maybe there's coaches out there listening. Maybe there's family and friends of kids. Like maybe my parents are listening to it all the way from Colorado. I don't have any idea. Yeah. <laughs> um, welcome basketball fans to the Utah high school hoops podcast. Um, I am joined here by the head coach at Judge Memorial Catholic High School. Did I get all of the words right? All of them. All right. Uh, Sanyan Kolovrat. Now, I think it's important because this is maybe the most important thing that will come from this podcast is when when I tell people. So we're connected because my son, AJ, plays at Judge. So there you go. That's how we got connected. Um, but when I would tell people like, no, AJ's, AJ's at Judge. They're like, oh, with with Coach Sanjin or with Coach, you know, they have various ways of saying your first name. And I feel like that was one of the first things I asked you. And you were like, it's like Canyon with an S, like Sanjin. And I was like, oh, great. Has nobody else in the history of Utah basketball asked you this question? Or do you just go like, yeah, whatever you want to call me? If it starts with an S, I answer to it. It's been uh, 33 years of getting it wrong. So I just go with the flow, man. <laughs> That's perfect. That's great. That's great. And you've so 33 years you've been in Utah. Is that correct? No, that's that's how old I am. But you're, I guess 30, you're only 33. I'm 33. I turned 34. Oh, jeez. Yeah. I did not know that. Well, hello, young man. Oh, please. I don't know. <laughs> my back. My back's a lot older. My back and knees are a lot older. But yeah, I turned 34 this this uh, this month at the end of this month. And uh, nice. Yeah, been in Utah for 26 of those years. So. Okay, got it. So um, even in Serbia, they would say your name wrong. That's what was throwing me off. It's a, it's not a Serbian name. It's, it's a, not. No, yeah. My mom found it in some. I don't even remember what it was. I can't remember if it was a Russian book or something else. And so, got it. There's not a lot of other Sanyans out there. I think you're, you're the only one I know. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so, well, what I mean, obviously, got a little bit about your story. So you've been in Utah for 26 years. Um. You grew up in Serbia. And, you know, there's there's a connection there to basketball. Obviously, it's very deep rooted. So when did you really um, so you came over here? It sounds like when you were seven. Um, and would you say that you really felt like you grew up in Utah, though? Like, do you feel like, like a Utah? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I've, we've lived here. We've lived in Rose Park and Sandy and Midvale. And I'm, my wife and I live in the, the Mill Creek area. Um, but, yeah, I feel like definitely a Utah. It's it's been a long time. Yeah, no doubt. Um, so when did you really fall in love with the game of basketball? I was pretty, yeah, it was pretty early on. My dad, uh, got me into it. He, he loved basketball. My dad grew up watching the, the, the great Yugoslavian teams, um, back before our country dissolved. He, he just loved the game, played himself a little bit. He was a, he was a pretty big dude, six, five, six, six played ping pong more than anything, but he loved basketball and played basketball too. And, yeah, he got me into it. He taught me a lot before I, you know, I got to the point where I, you know, needed a little bit of extra help. Um, probably like I would say the fifth or sixth grade here in Utah, I just like felt like, man, I could, I could really see myself loving this game for a long time. And and that was just, yeah, from that point on, it was, I'll watch any kind of basketball. I'll do anything that involves basketball. It's just, it's in the bloodstream. I love, yeah, I feel, I feel the same way. I mean, you talk about those old Yugoslavian teams and just the, I think that the impact that we're still seeing today on, you know, that, that area of the world in the game of basketball, I mean, you've got, 
you've got Luca and you've got Jokic, who are arguably, if you throw Giannis and Embiid in there, those are kind of your four best players in the NBA currently. I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe Steph's having a good year. I'm not saying there's not other great players. Just like it would not be inappropriate to say Nikola Jokic, Luka Doncic are two of the top three basketball players in the world right now, right? That is, it's it's pretty crazy to think about. But all of that foundation was laid, you know, back with like, you know, Peja and Drazen Petrovic and Vlade Divac. Those were like the guys, Tony Kukoc, mm-hmm. when, when I was growing up, when I really fell in love with basketball was back then. And so even then they were having a, a massive impact on the game, but it just seems like it's grown and grown and grown to where, you know, NBA teams have full-time scouts that live there now. Oh yeah. I think a lot of it has just come from like awareness. You've got social media, somebody can go viral off a clip, you know, in some tiny town in, in Bosnia that you've never heard of before. And and next thing you know, he's on a draft board for, you know, for the NBA. So I think awareness has gotten huge. People are realizing there's a ton of talent outside the U.S. I mean, yeah, the, those players, that's what we grew up with. Dino Raja and Petrovic and Kukoc and all those dudes that were just, you know, if our country had stayed whole, I mean, everybody everybody agrees that they would have challenged the U.S. I don't know about beating them, that, that dream team, but at least challenged. Agreed. On a consistent basis. So it's it's cool to see people that I grew up not far from doing huge things in the NBA. I mean, Luca's not Luca's Slovenian, which is the same thing, but, but Jokic was born not too far from where my family is from. So it's just, it's amazing to go see that and then watch him do what he does on a nightly basis. It's crazy. I mean, we were just talking, you know, we're recording this on is today, Tuesday. I think today's a Tuesday, right? Uh, so last night the Nuggets played the the Pelicans and I think Jokic, I don't even, this is how crazy it is. I don't even remember. I watched the game. I think he had 36 points like 15 rebounds 12 assists like three steals and a block shot and was like a i think he was like plus 26 in the second half yeah and and it's nuts to just watch like i've watched this guy since summer league because i'm a i'm a nuggets fan like that like i go to summer league because i love watching these guys when they're young and it's been incredible to watch this guy's rise and so um it's it's nice to have a, uh, a a Serbian in Utah to be like. There's not a lot of Nuggets fans here. There's also probably not a lot of Serbians, and maybe there's a Serbian culture that I'm not aware of here. But um, I haven't I haven't uh, accidentally run into it as I have like obviously the Polynesian culture, South Sudanese, right. um, you know, and and Hispanic culture, and on and on and on. Surprisingly, there's a lot actually. They're they're on that that west side where I grew up. Um you know, west of, of State Street and, and kind of downtown area. We, okay. uh, a lot of our people moved to Salt Lake because the the LDS, you know, folks were, were expect, you know, accepted us with open arms during the war in the 90s. Salt Lake City, St. Louis, and Chicago are three of the top landing spots for our people when, when we came in as refugees. So there's actually a huge population still here in Serbia, or excuse me, in Salt Lake. Um, and they all love... I mean, they don't even know who the Nuggets are, probably, but they know who Jokic is, and the, so they're fans. You got they know who the Nuggets. You, they know who the and the NBA champion and world champion Denver Nuggets are. Everybody, knows. <laughs> right. Everybody knows that. Well, that I didn't. I didn't realize it was. Uh, that's that's cool. So, is there a? This is uh, my last Serbian question, and we'll pivot into uh, judge basketball this year. But 
are there like food spots that you're like, no, if you want some, like, first of all, do you, do you still like Serbian food? Cause I know some people who are like from their spot, they're like, mm, I actually really like pizza. <laughs> Not, I don't really like the food from where I came from, but is, oh, I, where would you recommend that somebody goes if they wanted to get some good Serbian food? Two of my favorite places in the world. You got one that's called cafe on main. Um, and it's just off like 2100 South and main street. They're on DoorDash, like they're everywhere. Um, but it's, amazing you've got these things called chivapi which are basically these little like sausage links with pita bread and this amazing sauce it's a cheese called kaimak so if you ever get a chance and you're down there cafe on main okay read it and then uh just down the street from my house over by the uh the movie theater on 3300 south and i guess that's south salt lake um there's a place called old bridge cafe and it's similar you got the same type of stuff you got pitas and different like assorted meats and the cult the the cuisine is very like meat and vegetable heavy it's kind of similar to greek mediterranean food but there are some differences with cheeses and stuff and those those are the two that i that i crave quite often and that man it's 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 terrific you you wouldn't regret it you moved to your house because of its location to the uh the one you described but you were like i gotta be close by hun i don't get a scooter and just yeah scoot on down to old bridge and grab some food (laughs) and head back up (laughs) perfect that's awesome uh, well, let's pivot here. How long have you been? So you've been a coach in Utah, not just a judge, but for how many years? Yeah, I started coaching when I was, I think, 23. So it's been, yeah, it's been 10 years now. I started as an assistant at Hillcrest High, which is where I graduated. Um, was the sophomore coach, did a little bit of JV stuff and, you know, assisted the varsity until um, 2018, where I took over as the head coach at Hillcrest. Um, we did that for two years, and then I was given the opportunity with uh, with Judge in uh, in 2020, so I'm going into my fourth year as the head coach at Judge, and my sixth year overall as a as a head coach. That's awesome. What's something that you think most people don't know about being a head head varsity basketball coach? Is there is there some? Because I when I I mean I had a different experience than you did, obviously, when I was at ICS last year. Um, you know, I was a last minute like dad volunteer for a varsity basketball coach whereas i'm guessing hillcrest and judge are are a little bit more like there's more there's more history there you know there's there's more players i had six seven players on the team so um but is there something that you're like man if every parent knew this about coaching or maybe you're like there's 50 things that i wish every parent knew about being a head coach yeah, there's there's thousands, honestly. I mean, the, the thing I think most people don't realize is coaching basketball is probably 10 percent of the job. Like I wish I wish it was the other way around. I wish I could just focus on coaching this game. But as a head coach, you do so many other things that take your time. Like you know, you got fundraising, you've got bus duty, you've got grade checks, you've got in some instances socioeconomic differences. Or you're worried about kids even eating and, you know, being able to get to school. And so there's just a lot of different things that go into coaching because you're at the end of the day, the face of the program. And when something happens, it falls on you, whether it was your fault or not. Um, yeah. So I wish, I wish parents kind of understood and not just parents, but just anybody went in to do this is there's a lot that goes into this. And we usually try to make the best decision for the kids. It's not about us. Um, it's very minimal pay. I lose a lot of money doing this. And so it's just a lot that goes into it. Yeah. Yeah, so I was gonna say, well, at least at least you're highly paid. Um, yeah. <laughs> and certainly there are. I mean, I, I forget what it was. There was like a 
think it was Duncanville High School in Texas had a job posting for their women's basketball coach. And it was like, I don't remember, $120,000 a year salary plus benefits and, you know, on and on and on. So I'm sure there are programs maybe here in the state or around that are bigger, that have funding and things like that, that run more, you know, like Texas football, probably like if you're a Texas football coach, you're probably doing that full-time, right? Because like you said, it can really be a full-time job if, if you, you wouldn't have to stretch the imagination to be a full-time high school basketball coach. No. And in fact, I mean, my, my wife would be the first to tell you, like it, it is a full-time job, but what's an actual full-time job? Like there's just, just a thought like that goes into this alone as a full-time job, right? You're planning the next practice, you're scouting on the opponent, you're putting together game review, you're making sure it's just, just so many things that go into it. And then just the time court itself, it's, it's a full-time job for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, the amount of time that I spent, the, the thing that I wish that people would have realized is, um, I told my wife that I didn't really want to coach because of the 2 a.m. wake up and think about the inbound play that I should have run two games ago in the third quarter. And I would just sit there and analyze it for hours in my head. It impacted my sleep. You know, to your point, you had all the other stuff. And then I just didn't sleep that well because I was just constantly thinking about it. So, um, Yeah, it's it's there. It it takes a toll, definitely. Um, so you're going into your fourth year at Judge, and it seems like the team has had, you know, a a, a bit of a facelift. Is that a way to? Is that a nice way of putting it? I mean, um, some new faces in the program, some people who are returning. You know, what's got you excited about this year? I mean, more than anything, I just love like the character of our group. Um, we don't really have any, you know, buttheads or guys that are going to give us problems with off the court stuff or, you know, we just have good, a good group of kids that happen to be good basketball players too. So it's, it's just, it's a lot easier to coach good characters. You know, I'd much rather have that all day long versus crazy high talent guys who are are huge problems. I think we have the best of both worlds. We have some really high talented kids that also take care of the, the classroom that, you know, are handling themselves the right way in between classes with teachers. And so, I think that's probably the part that I'm most excited about is it's easy to be around these guys. It's easy to coach. Like I look forward to going to practice, you know? Um, and it's, yeah, it just doesn't, it doesn't hurt that we have some talent <laughs> to yeah. the ball in the hoop and, and defend on the other end. Yeah. I mean, the thing that I've noticed, obviously I've been to a lot of kind of the, I don't know if we call them preseason, but you, the great Western classic, you know, some scrimmages, some stuff this summer is, it seems like my analysis of judge take it for what it's worth in its current state is you're going to win. You're going to, you're going to win. Oh, I guess I can say we, right. But whatever uh, there, there's going to be a lot of games where the ball shots are just not falling. The thing that it's really impressed me about judge is like the, the level of intensity on the defensive end is going to mean that even those games where shots aren't falling. So you got 15, 16, 17, 18 year old kids, right? Like, they're going to miss shots. I mean, it's just going to happen, but man, when they are, when they are engaged on the defensive side, it's a really long athletic, hard to score against team. It's been, that's been probably the thing that's been the most fun to watch uh, from my end, just as a, as a dad slash spectator. 
Yeah, I think the key word for like us as a coaching staff is what you said is when we're engaged. Yep. I think that's just probably any coach that's that's getting ready to start their season is like, how long can we stay engaged on defense, right? As 15, 16, 17 year olds, that if, if we can figure that out, I think we have a real good chance of being a good basketball team because that that's what we have to kind of hitch our, our wagon to is just being able to guard regardless of what's happening on the other end. If we're if we're making shots or not, if we can hang our hat on like, hey, we're just going to defend and talk and switch and do all that fun stuff, then I, I like our chances for sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, have you noticed, and I know that you, um, uh, you in, in previous years had kind of put on, uh, a, a, I don't know, a camp or a showcase for some kids. And I want to talk about that, but in your, in your 10 years of coaching in Utah, have you noticed any kind of a transition from like recruiting and what it takes to be recruited? It seems from my perspective that. I, I see a lot of kids get focused on the stuff that college coaches don't care about. And I'm not quite sure if that's new or if that's just been going on for a while, you know, kind of the like highlight mixtape, you know, like you said, you can go viral in Serbia and be on an NBA draft board. It also helps if you're six foot 10 to do that. Right. Like, right. And so has, has that been something that you've noticed or is this just me being the, the, 43 year old get off my lawn old man who's who's kind of like rebelling against the like make a bunch of like just get highlights but i'll see kids who are really excited this is what bugs me out and uh, watching like au basketball there'll be kids who are so excited about the game and their team just lost by 20 because they know they're going to be able to get some clips and they had their person there and they were doing the stuff and they're making the highlights and and i'm like why you i just wish that that wasn't the case, right? Like, don't be excited when you lose. Just no, I, I totally agree, and, I, and I've seen it, like in my own programs, and I've I've had to talk about that with players. Like, I think one thing I wish most guys would understand, and most players would understand, is is if the, the for the good of the team will 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 enhance your own personal goals, right? Like, if we can have our team goals met, whatever they are, chances are that'll correlate with your with your personal goals. If you want a scholarship, if you want this, you want that if the team's winning and we're doing the right things and you're buying in, you get more noticed. Coaches don't want losers. Like today's game is incredibly difficult to get recruited as a high school kid. You know, this, like, I'm sure everybody knows this, but COVID has, has basically ruined everything. And the new NCAA regulations, not even just D one guys, like the new NCAA regulations around scholarshiping and, and who they offer is outrageous. Like that's crazy. It's good for players at that level, miserable for high school kids. Mm-hmm. But what it's done is it's like now even the sub D ones, they're going to wait for the transfer portal. They're going to wait for prep school guys. They're going to wait for Juco. Guys. Okay. It's miserable. So coaches are going to be way more specific with who they offer, right? Like if you're not on a winning team, if you're taking bad shots, if you're worried about all these individual things, there's a, there's probably 75,000 six foot guards out there. Exactly. So, that's the conversation we're trying to have with our guys. Um, like, like coaches don't want a 20 point score on a one in 20 team. Yep. <laughs> so, you know, figure it out. Like the good of the team will make sure that your, your personal goals are met. I think a great example of that. And, and this is a player that I, you know, just candidly, like I have my son watch pretty frequently is Christian Brown. Um, and so if you look at a kid like Christian Brown, who was, 
he was a really good high school player. Don't get me wrong. Like you don't go to Kansas and suck at basketball, but he wasn't exactly like heavily recruited. I think he was like a three star, but Kansas had watched him. Right. But he won multiple high school state championships in Kansas. So he was a yeah. part of winning culture in high school. And then he goes to Kansas and he's part of a winning culture at Kansas, but it's not like he was lighting the nets on fire at Kansas. He's not even a great shooter. He's like a 60% free throw shooter. I think people think think because he's a white guard that he's like some kind of knockdown shooter. He's not. He's not a very good, he's not a reliable three-point shooter. Um, but he just is a kid that I wish more players would watch. That this then he goes to the Nuggets and wins. And not just was like on the team, like Adam Morrison was on the team with the Lakers. Like he was the seventh man on this team. He was a critical cog in a championship team as a rookie. And there's so many of those players out there that I don't know. I just, I get, I get a little passionate about it because I'm like, what, what do you think? What do you think coaches need a team full of 20 point scores? Like, of course they don't. They need, they need players who are really excellent at doing various things. One of them happens to be scoring. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's critically important to the game. It turns out your the goal is to score more points than the other team. Um, but yeah, I mean that that idea of being part of a winning culture, helping to elevate everybody else, is, is important. I also think on the circuits, like there's a lot of bad basketball. You know who doesn't like to watch bad basketball? Are college coaches. Right. <laughs> they don't want to watch it. And so if you're on a bad team and you're putting up numbers on a bad team, are they going to sit there and watch that film? Like you said, there's. There's, you know, 500 six foot guards that are out there. Like, yeah, you want to watch good basketball, be a part of a team that's going to have a coach who will coach good basketball. I don't know. That's my that's my little soapbox. No, I, I totally agree. And I, I think just I said social media is probably as good as it is bad. Right. Like I think kids and parents often, quite honestly, more than kids are just a little disillusioned with what it takes to play at any level at any level. I mean, there's really good D3 Juco basketball happening in Minnesota right now, right? Like you just, you don't know about it or you don't think it's, it's, you know, good enough, but it is all those kids. there were probably all staters, right? Like, so it, it's just regardless of who it is and what level it is, um, coaches are going to look for the same thing. Like, can you help us win? Or are you just going to come in and especially as a high school freshman or a college freshman, struggle and and then my job's on the line and that's the biggest thing i think people don't understand is a scholarship is basically a bet on you that i could keep my job longer <laughs> like as a, yeah. as a college coach if i keep an eight i take an 18 year old with a full scholarship i'm betting on him being able to extend my career here at x college and so that when you think about it that way you go okay that makes sense like why isn't that guy offering me yet well takes a while <laughs> Well, you know, I think I think the question of offer goes both ways, right? So it's like, why am I not getting offers? It's like, well, what do you have to offer? Right. Like, what what is the thing? Like, what what I hate to say, put it this way, but like, what's your product? Because they're buying it. You know what I'm saying? I talked about this on one of my episodes, right? Like, they're buying the product. So what is it? What? It can't just be social media highlights. Like, eventually, the the film's gonna roll, and right. everyone's gonna see what you do, good, bad, and ugly. Um, Actually, I just had uh, AJ Jackson on, and we were talking about this this thing he's got, um, uh, Game Film Elite. I mixed up the words last time. Anyways, I'll get it right at some point in time. But I thought that was great, right? Like, 
college coaches watching a full game of basketball and giving you feedback on it. It's like, man, that's what, that's what these kids need. And, and I think this idea that, you know, you've run with before, it sounds like it took a backseat during COVID this idea of bringing in sub D one coaches to coach these showcases here in Utah is great because that's really where it boils down to, right? Like how do you get in front of a coach and then is your game going to speak for itself when you get in front of the coach, right? Uh, so tell me a little bit about what what is it that you used to do and, you know, or is, is something we should expect to come back? Yeah, I'd, I'd love to. So, yeah, pre, pre-COVID really is when it was was happening. We've, we've done several camps, but it was the Mountain Hoops Showcase. Um, Scott Sellers had, had kind of started this, and I, I helped run it with him. And, um, you know, I, I'd like to bring it back if we can. But the idea was D1s, you know, have enough help uh, – if you're, you're a D one guy, you probably aren't going to be at our camps, but large, largely it was education to parents and families of like, there's a lot of really good basketball out there, whether it's the NWAC or JUCO or D2, D3, NAIA, you name it, USCAA, like there's so much good basketball being played out there. And so we would bring in, you know, anywhere from 15 to 20 to 30 coaches to these camps, one day thing. Each player would play four games, but what we liked about it was the coaches from these colleges were actually coaching the games. So they weren't just sitting in the stands on their phone, buried in a notebook, not watching. Cause I'll be honest, you go to some of these high level camps that are expensive and you, you got coaches that aren't even paying attention. Right. Might be the wrong thing to say. I might upset people if they disagree with me, but I've seen it. And so we wanted to try something different. So when you got a coach watching you, because he's coaching you. I think that helps a little bit. They're not invested in the outcome of the game. They just want, they want to see. And so I, I would say on average, um, I mean, we would see anywhere from 10 to 20 scholarship offers made on the spot during our camps, right? Where coaches would see a guy they liked that kid had no pre- previous offers. And the next thing you know, he's got a full ride or sign on the spot in the spring. They sign right there, right at camp. Mm-hmm. Um, so I loved it. it. It exposed a lot of different options to kids and parents of like, Hey, this is high level basketball and your kid's good enough. And, and you know, cause the, the thing I hear most around Salt Lake at least is if my son doesn't get an opportunity to play at a division one, he'll just go play at slick or something. You're and like, I, slick, slick has nine division one players on the roster. Eyes <laughs> roll in the back of my head and I just try to be nice, but it's like slick could probably hang with some D ones right now. Not um, probably they, they would. I mean, they, they legitimately have a roster of division one players. I mean, I don't know if they would hang with all of them, but no. know, like James Madison goes in and, and beat, beats Michigan state the other night. And, you know, Louisville barely pulls off a win. I mean, there's the, the talent in basketball, is certainly higher than I think it's ever been. Oh yeah. And that goes all the way through high school. It goes down into middle school. And I mean, I was when AJ and I were out at uh, Oklahoma city this past weekend and we watched four different NAIA schools play. And the thing that I just wish every high school kid in Utah and, and everywhere else would know no. is like, oh, hang on, I'm getting a little bit of feedback. I think we're, I think we're good. Okay. Uh, we're back. Uh, so the thing that I wish all these, all these kids would realize is like Oklahoma city university where, uh, Yorgo is that from, um, skyline, they've got a six, eight freshman from Australia. This kid is probably six, eight two fifty. He's knocking down mid range. He's getting tip dunks. He's hitting threes. That that kid plays for a currently one and two team in Oklahoma, at Oklahoma City University on an NAIA. 
his buddy is a seven foot one center. You know what I mean? Like YG yeah. was, was, I think he was an all state kid here, right? Like he comes off the bench as a freshman and he plays really well. I mean, he had a great couple of games that were, that were there. Don't get me wrong, but like these, these are, these are, you know, D one, D two, NAIA, you talk about the JUCOs, even division three, that kid goes off for 41 up in Minnesota the other day. There are players at every level. And if you think it's just going to be easy, to your point, you're 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 absolutely wrong. I mean, there's no there's no way around it. Like you are <laughs> this isn't just a, if I don't get an offer to Utah, I'm gonna go to Westminster. It's like, no, there's a lot of players at Westminster. <laughs> no, it's I mean, I mean we, even in our own program, Aiden, you know, Saucedo is is one of the I think the the toughest scoring guards I've ever coached. Obviously, I'm I'm a little bit biased, but you know, if he was six three, you'd have every school in the West Coast probably contacting us. But he'll go up and visit um, Carroll College in Montana this weekend, and and Coach Lundgren, who was at College of Southern Idaho before, and is now the new head coach there. I mean, they're building something terrific in in, in Helena, and they just went and played UVU the other night and lost by I think eight. Yeah, right. Like, it, there's there's a ton of basketball. We had one of the best scoring guards in Judge history, Dom Burns, my first year at Judge, averaged twenty six a night, twenty five a night. Took us to the semifinals. We lost to the eventual state champs. Like arguably the best scoring guard I think I've ever coached. He's he's struggling to get minutes at at Carroll University in, in Wisconsin, and I think I think he will because of his work ethic. But it just goes to show you, like, man, there's levels to this. <laughs> and college ball is college ball. I don't care what what level it is. It's difficult. Yeah, and it's been that way. It's been that way for a while, but it's just getting it's getting harder and harder. And then you also bring in the like we talked about all the way back at the beginning you know the the influx of highly talented international players that are coming to the US and certainly there's you know there's some that are coming to the state of Utah from you know from various countries to play high school basketball whether it's at Judge or at Wasatch or LCA or Utah Prep um I'm probably missing a school somewhere in there but um there there are there are kids here to just play basketball. And so if you're a kid who grew up here and you, you grew up in the States, like you have the luxury that basketball is not quote, you know, one of your only options, but there are actually kids here who's like the option for their family success is for them to get their college scholarship covered using the game of basketball. You don't think that's going to drive, <laughs> that's going to drive that kid to success. And so you're, you're not only competing with other U S kids, you're also competing with international kids and you're not only you're competing with international kids who are playing in these, you know, these uh, not circuits or clubs where it's, it's like soccer now in, in parts of Spain and France, I'm sure all around Europe, right? Like yeah, basketball I mean, is the thing that they do. And I think that the separator there is like the NIL has changed the game for international, mm -hmm. right? With NIL, international kids can't benefit off that personally. So they're not actually taking any of that money like our, our you know, U.S.-born kids are. You got a kid like Madi Sissoko up at Michigan State who used his NIL money to go back and build a bunch of new things in his, his home country, you know, schools and things like that. Like, that's amazing. But he since he can't benefit from it, he's using that to benefit his his home. And so I think that's the biggest differentiator. And then that goes into the, the preparation part of it, right? Like, I, I love... I love our U.S. born kids. I think they're terrific. But like you said, they've got other options. And so are they willing to work as hard as some of these other kids who are coming in going, no, this I have to do this. <laughs> this is it. This is it for me. And so 
that's the big separator is you got kids here who are literally, I'm here to get a great education and play basketball and that's it. <laughs> like nothing yeah. matters to me right now. There is a great quote in the TV show Loki. And I don't remember what the season was or the episode or whatever, but I was watching it with, uh, with my family and, there's a scene where Loki comes up to face to face with this person and the person says, I, I know I'm going to beat you. And he says, how can you know that? And, he, and the person says, cause you want to win, but I need to win. And that line to me is just, it's really been a, a marker of like, yeah, it's cool to want to play in college, but you're, you are actually going up against people who need to play in college. <laughs> like this is, this is what they're here to do. And and that there's a there's just a level of commitment that I think a lot of kids will benefit from knowing about. And there's only so much you can say too, even as like a dad, right? Like there's only so much you can say, but at the end of the day, it's like it's still true. Like lots of kids can want to do it, but if you have options, there's nothing wrong with options. Just recognize that this is just the reality of, of the of the landscape of the game right now. Yeah, I think a lot of guys, honestly, I think for better or worse. I think a lot of guys enjoy making the Twitter post that they got the offer or they enjoy making the highlight. And, but I've never had a coach ask me up for a kid's highlight film, right? Like they'll always, anytime I talk to coaches about recruiting our guys, or I try to help other kids in Utah get recruited. And, and, you know, if I have, I know of a kid in the 2024 class that would help an NWAC or a Juco or a D2, I'll send them their way. And it's like, send me some full game film coach. Can you give me some, you know, give me a couple games worth of film. They don't care about your highlight because who's going to make a highlight film that makes you look bad, right? What they want to see is how do you handle missed shots? Do you get back on defense? Can you guard your, your yard? Can you, you know, are you, are you a good teammate when you're coming off the bench? Like they, that's what they look at and and not just, you know, and don't put free throws in your highlights. If there's anyone listening, by the way, just, just one, one thing that drives me crazy. <laughs> My favorite is like the six ten kid who is like, clearly leaking out on a fast break and like catches it and dunks it with two hands. And I'm like, that's the other one that I'm like, I think all you're showing is that you weren't back on defense. Right. <laughs> you weren't going after the rebound that you leaked out and that you can dunk it. Well, you're six foot 10. Like right. I would hope that you can. Yeah. The free throws and highlights is a is whole. The only time I had, so AJ did do that one time, by the way. And I, and let me tell you the reason why. So his very first varsity basketball game the kid has ever played, he's, you know, 14, 15 years old. Uh, he gets fouled taking a three with 1.5 seconds left, and the team was down by three. And he stepped up to the line as a freshman in high school and knocked down three straight free throws, then scored nine straight in overtime, and we won. And I was like, yeah, you can put those free throws in your highlight. Yeah, but you have to like show the score. <laughs> and the, you got to figure out a way to do this because like it was a highlight. It was pretty, it was pretty awesome to see. Context yeah. is important there. <laughs> yeah. it, was, it was, but I, I, I totally agree with you. Uh, well, Sandy, I'm obviously excited to, to watch some judge basketball this year. And for the next couple of years, I uh, got some, got some uh, custom dunk lows that I made for my wife and I. So we'll be, uh, we'll be out there supporting. It was fun to get to know a lot of the parents through football. Um, and, uh, but um, I'm really excited to watch the team this year. I only have expectations of a three, a state championship. So uh, if not, then I will just uh, anonymously complain on Twitter through my burner account. <laughs> and <laughs> no, I won't do that. Um, I think that coaches understand what it takes to coach. And I'm like, if I wanted to coach, then I would coach. And if I don't want to, then I get to be a dad. 
And it's, it's nice to be able to do that and just cheer for my kids and let you coach. So I'm excited. I'm excited for that to happen. And, um, got a great, got a great squad, great group of coaches. I've known Zeus for a while. Uh, he's a, he's a great dude. So I'm excited for this year. Yeah. We're excited to have you guys with us. And I think it'll be, it'll be a lot of fun. I think the group that we have, the coaches, the families that are on board, you know, we'll have our, our final decisions today with our tryouts to happening in a couple of hours. And oh, yeah, you got to get going. Yeah. Up. <laughs> yeah. We're looking forward to it. So I appreciate you having me on though. It's always fun. Awesome. We'll do it again. Thanks, Danny. Thanks, man.